Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Thursday, February the 16th, 2023. Today's podcast, we're going to preview Saturday's Kentucky-Tennessee basketball game. It's a 1 o'clock start at Rupp Arena. CBS has the television coverage. Both teams coming off huge wins last night. Kentucky knocked off Mississippi State 71-68 there in Starkville. A huge win for the Cats considering their NCAA tournament uh, chance of getting into the tournament, another uh, quad one win, Kentucky's second quad one win of the season. A very impressive win by Kentucky to go in and play and beat a hot Mississippi State team. State have won five in a row, including a win at Arkansas. Uh, the Saturday before T- uh, Tennessee might have even trumped Kentucky's win last night because they beat number one Alabama in Knoxville last night. It was Alabama's first SEC loss of the season. The tide dropped to uh, twelve and one on the year. Tennessee improved to nine and four in conference play. Kentucky is eight and five in conference play. Kentucky, of course, won the first meeting between these two teams back on January fourteenth back in Knoxville. So the Cats will try and sweep the Vols on Saturday to help us preview the game. I talked with the same guys I talked to before. Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel who covers Tennessee basketball. I talked to him about the volunteers, about the win last night. Uh, A big win for Tennessee because they had been slumping a bit before the win uh, by the 10th ranked volunteers last night. And uh, on the Kentucky side of things, I talked with Ben Roberts, uh, my friend and colleague at the Arrow Leader who was in Starkville for Kentucky's three-point win over the Bulldogs last night in Starkville. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. First, my conversation with Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel, and then after that, you'll hear from Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader. Okay, I want to welcome into the podcast the one and only Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel, who covers Tennessee basketball, a good friend of the podcast. How's it going, Mike? Well, we're doing great. Rolling along, I guess, February into March now, so we're getting uh, getting to the fun part of basketball season. Yeah, it's crunch time, that's for sure. Mike, when last we talked to you, it was before the Kentucky-Tennessee game in Knoxville, the first game, a surprise, uh, a surprise result from that game, at least on our end here at Kentucky. I know since then, Tennessee, they won like four in a row, but then they hit a streak of kind of bad luck. I know they lost at Florida, then they lost a clo- couple of close games after that, got a big win last night over Alabama. But leading up to the Alabama game, how, how were they playing? Yeah, it's been an interesting kind of couple months for Tennessee. Uh, I mean, they played Kentucky, obviously, January 14th, lost that game. Uh, poor three-point shooting, rebounding were kind of the the main issues there. Um, they were fine after that. Great win against Texas, end of January. Um, 
you know, it was their second top 10 win at the time. Then the following two weeks were just really topsy turvy. I went down and lost at Florida by 13, uh, beat Auburn 46, 43 in just a, a game that sounds a lot like what the score was. Um, <laughs> And then lost back-to-back games on buzzer-beating threes. Uh, a Vanderbilt corner three on, on a uh, kind of four seconds left. Vanderbilt ran a nice play, got the shot. Uh, Tennessee had a defensive breakdown, and Vanderbilt took advantage. And then Missouri hit a you know 30-footer runner after Tennessee again had a couple errors in the final minute that, that really cost them. Uh, had an opportunity to seal it at the free-throw line, and both of those games didn't do so. So it was a really strange couple weeks, but then you bounce back and Another strange moment. They kind of controlled Alabama for all 40 minutes uh, last night at Thompson Bowling Arena. And now they have three top 10 wins. They beat Kansas, Texas, and Alabama, but they also have some weird losses. So it's been a hard team to figure out. Yeah, I watched. I went back and watched the Tennessee Alabama game because it was going on pretty much the same as the Kentucky Mississippi State game last night. Uh, but during that streak where they lost those, uh, especially those couple of buzzer beaters, were they just were they not playing well, which gave the other team a, uh, a chance to win the game at the end of the game, or were they playing well? The other team, the other team was just playing uh, playing better or playing as well. I think the common thread in the games was teams hitting threes on Tennessee. Really, uh, Vanderbilt made 10, Missouri made 14, and going into that Vanderbilt game, Tennessee hadn't given up more than eight in a game this season. Uh, and Vanderbilt uh, ran some good stuff, got some good looks. I thought Tennessee's defense was kind of meh in that game. It wasn't one of their better outings. Uh, Missouri's first half was very similar to that, but I mean, Missouri got hot, uh, and, and it's a good offensive team under Dennis Gates. They're oh. probably the second-best offensive team in the SEC behind Alabama. Um, so they hit a whole bunch of first half three pointers that put Tennessee behind. But then Tennessee erased a seven seventeen point deficit in the second half. Um, but then just didn't kind of finish the job there at the end uh, with some free throws, like I mentioned, lane violation on, on a final pair of free throws, and then Missouri hits a you know thirty footer straight through the net uh, to win that game. So it, it was some defensive stuff. Teams getting hot because. You know Tennessee's three point defense is ranked number one in the country, but there's always an element of teams just missing shots. Uh, going into that, and the inverse happened against Vanderbilt, Missouri. And then last night, the 68-59 went over Alabama, number one ranked Alabama, holding Alabama to 59 points as a feat in itself. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. Tennessee did seem to control the game from start to finish. What what What's the key for Tennessee in that game? Yeah, I think they just kind of physically beat the crap out of Alabama. Uh, is kind of what you saw was a team that just decided – they're going to play harder and they're going to play tougher and they're going to bully Alabama, um, which is built on scoring a lot of points, running and gunning. Um, I think they frustrated Brandon Miller. He saw it 15 and 10. Uh, I think he took 11 shots to get there. Uh, it was four for 11. I'd like to say, um, but they just did a good job uh, really bodying the Alabama guys. They got big production out of some role players, Jeremiah Meshack, Jonas Adu, um, both of whom really stepped up with Josiah Jordan James and Julian Phillips sidelined with injury. So, it was a really impressive performance uh, to kind of have your backs against the wall a bit because realistically, Tennessee could be viewed as reeling at that point, right? Three out of four losses, back-to-back buzzer beaters, barely beating Auburn as the lone win in that stretch. But they really did dictate how that game went last night. Forced 19 turnovers. So uh, obviously mm-hmm. Tennessee, number one, defensively, uh, Ken Palm. But I was really impressed with the way they turned Alabama over last night. And that was huge. They had a 26 to two uh, edge in points off turnovers. I think it was 17, nothing in the first half. Uh, they really flustered Alabama. And, and that was what you saw Tennessee's defense do 
a lot early in the season. And that was the key to, to their defensive success through so much of the non-conference than going to the early conference. And they really got back to that, uh, I thought. I mean, they did it against Auburn, did, did some of it in the second half against Missouri. Um, but you, you really, really saw that uh, in how they handled Alabama and, and forced the issue uh, with the way they really got into them defensively. Okay, now Saturday, 1 o'clock game at Rupp Arena. CBS has the TV coverage. Kentucky trying to sweep Tennessee, which would be quite the feat considering uh, how good this Tennessee team is. The game in Lexington, to me, Tennessee I – mean, I'm sorry, the game in Knoxville. Uh, Tennessee missed a lot of shots, I thought, around the rim. And then the other thing in that game, Kentucky really controlled the boards. Is that the big key for Tennessee on Saturday? What do you see as the keys for the Vols? I think Tennessee was what two of eighteen from three two in that game. Yes, um, got got to knock down some of those shots, and they did a much better job of that against Alabama um, after having some meh outings with that uh, in some of those losses. But I do think playing tougher. Um, you talk about that rebounding battle. Tennessee kind of got punked on the boards uh, by Kentucky in that game, and um, I don't I don't know what went into that, why that happened, but it was pretty clear early, uh, probably after the well, opening four minutes, Tennessee played well for that first stretch, and then. I mean, Kentucky really had its way uh, the rest of the stretch with Tennessee, but I think showing up with, with toughness on both ends is going to be pretty darn key there for Tennessee. Uh, I'm sure they remember the way that the game at Rupp went last year when it was, what, 107-79? Yeah. Yeah. Um, an absolutely crazy loss. And um, I mean, both teams, I think it's interesting, both teams are desperate in their own right right now. Um, obviously, Kentucky needs a, another signature-type win or opportunity to to maybe push them on the right side of the bubble where things stand right now. I'm not sure exactly where they're sitting with the bracket, but Tennessee also needs to avoid uh, kind of falling back into a clunker after a win because that's exactly what happened after the Texas game. And, and to me, if you look at their remaining schedule, both have big opportunities. Kentucky, obviously, mm-hmm. with Tennessee. They got Auburn coming in. They go to Florida. Uh, they still have Arkansas at in Fayetteville, the last uh, game of the regular season, which all those games are scary propositions. But for a team on the bubble like Kentucky, you need opportunities to win to impress the committee. When you look at Tennessee, the game Saturday against Kentucky, they go to Texas A&M. They got Arkansas at home and Auburn on the road to finish up. They've got some opportunities if they can win those games or do well in those games to get a higher seed in the NCAA tournament, right? I think so. I don't think Tennessee's in a position to play themselves into that one line right now. Uh, I'm already having six losses at this point. You probably have to run the table to to really get in that conversation. Um, but I I saw Lenardi put them back on the two seed line after the win last night because I mean realistically that they have an interesting resume. Like I mentioned, I mean three top ten wins, um, two at home, one neutral site. Uh, the Kansas win continues to age well. Texas is still a really tough team. And obviously this Alabama win is another notable one, but you also have strange losses to, to Colorado, Vanderbilt. Um, so Tennessee's resume is interesting, but I think it's, you know, if, if they you know have a winning record through the rest of the SEC regular season, they're probably playing that 2-3 line, I would imagine, at the end of it all. Yeah. Uh, one more thing, Mike, before I let you go. Kentucky's not the only team with guys out. Uh, Severe Wheeler and C.J. Frederick missed the last couple of games. I know Tennessee, Josiah Jordan, James, Julian Phillips did not play last night. Any uh, any idea what their prognosis is for Saturday? Uh, not at this point. We, we get Rick Barnes tomorrow morning, so more, more of an idea then. Um, yeah, Josiah hasn't played in the past two after rolling his ankle and spraining it late against Vanderbilt on the 8th. Uh, and then Julian is dealing with a hip flexor that uh, he suffered the day before Tennessee played Mizzou, but he came out, played the first half, and then didn't return in the second half. So it seems like that's something that obviously is still lingering, but we'll have more of an idea closer to Saturday. 
Well, as always, it's an interesting game with Kentucky and Tennessee play. you got two teams that are coming off big wins on Wednesday night. I know Tennessee, uh, they do not want to get swept by Kentucky, and Kentucky needs another big win, signature-type win, as you mentioned. Uh, Mike, remind the listeners how they can fi- follow you on Twitter and how they can find your work online leading up to and after the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my Twitter is by Mike Wilson, B-Y, Mike Wilson. And then the work is online at knoxnews.com or govalsextra.com. Be sure and check out all of Mike's work. He's a great friend of the pod. He does a great job covering Tennessee basketball. And Mike, look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Sounds great. Thank you for having me as always. Okay, my thanks to Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Before we get to Ben Roberts, a quick reminder, you can get a subscription, a digital subscription to Kentucky.com or a print subscription to the Lexanero Leader by going to Kentucky.com, hitting on the subscription tab, checking out all the offers for subscriptions to the Kentucky.com and the Lexanero Leader. We appreciate everybody who supports our work. I appreciate everybody who supports the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Leave a rating and review wherever you find the podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio Podcasts. Uh, leaving a rating and review just helps get helps more people find the podcast. Uh, we appreciate everybody who has done that. We pre- and I appreciate my guest. Thanks again to Mike Wilson. And after the break, you'll hear from Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, I want to welcome into the podcast my friend and colleague Ben Roberts. Ben is was at the game last night in Starkville. In fact, he's still in Mississippi. He's in Columbus, Mississippi. Comes back later today. Uh, first of all, how's it going, Ben? Good, good, John. How are you? I'm good. Uh, big win for Kentucky, obviously, last night. What were your impressions of the game? Uh, well, I mean, I, I thought uh, it kind of perfectly embodied that, you know, that, that grit and fight that uh, – Calipari has been talking about all season, you know, I think to a certain extent, some of that is, is overblown. Obviously he's trying to, to get his guys on the same page, but the way they just competed, especially on the offensive boards, late game situations, um, they just really came up with a lot of balls. And, and uh, that was obviously the, the biggest difference in the game, getting those second chances, second chance points. And, and pulling down some some big ones there at the end, but the fact that they had two players down, they had a couple more who were playing hurt. Um, you know, I, I thought that was a a huge win and, and a, a huge effort from them. Yeah, and they seem to. I mean, unlike in some other games, they seem to get off a, to a good start. Uh, not that they ran away with it early in the game, but they seem to be pretty focused and determined, at least on TV back here. Is that the way they look there? Yeah, they did. I mean, and that's they. I mean, they were locked in on on that just kind of gritty style of play. And I, I think it's gotten to the point in this season where I think we know, especially when they're shorthanded, they're not gonna run anybody out of the gym or, or wow anybody with uh, you, you know from an execution standpoint or, or a scoring standpoint. It's just going to be kind of grinding out these games, especially with uh you know some teams that like to play that style kind of like Mississippi State does so yeah they came out and set the tone early um and and just you know played hard i mean played physical played through injuries just kind of did what they needed to do to 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 get a win yeah what uh, you mentioned about the offensive boards they out- rebounded Mississippi State by uh, 16 they had more uh, uh they had more often uh Defensive, more offensive rebounds. The Mississippi State had defensive rebounds, so they ended up with seven more shots. I thought that was a big difference. Oscar Sheboy, another double-double. But they seem to get contributions from just about everybody in the game, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, that's probably what stuck out to me the most is they had eight scholarship players play, and obviously those five starters all all played thirty plus minutes. But um, you know, the three guys off the bench, Adu gave them a couple of huge offensive rebounds and and just a, a big spark, uh, especially there in the first half. Uh, Damian Collins had that big. He missed the free throw, but had the big and one dunk that kind of got everybody energized. Lance Ware came in in a tough spot and, and pulled down some rebounds, and and he always seems to kind of ignite everybody around him. And then those starters, uh, you know, Jacob was just super efficient uh, from a shooting standpoint and, and did some other good things. Antonio Reeves had another great first half uh, from from three. Chris was, uh, you know, the cliche tell of two halves. Uh, that that was that was something worth talking about. And and uh, Oscar was Oscar. And then Casey Wallace. It, it sounds like people were down on his shooting. Obviously, he missed twelve of thirteen shots he took. But I was just so impressed with. Um, I mean, this is a kid playing through injuries. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know how widely that's known, but I he's he's definitely playing through that back injury uh, and some other stuff and. And obviously, uh, you know, whether it was the heat or whatever last night, um, had, had to come out there early in the second half. Cal had to call a timeout, but 11 assists to one turnover, um, playing 38 plus minutes while hurt against uh, a defense that can can pressure you and make things tough on you. I, I was just really impressed with that, um, even even with the, the poor shooting performance. Yeah, 1 of 13, 0 of 8 from 3, but as a Twitter follower, <laughs> when I tweeted uh, his, his shooting stats, the Twitter follower came right back at me saying they don't win this ga- they don't win that game with that case in Wallace, and I think that was true the way he played overall. You mentioned the heat. Talk about that, because on TV we saw Calipari – was like sweating through his his clothes. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure I've ever seen Cal sweat quite like that um, uh, during a game. And you were telling me before we started recording that it was hot there in, at the hump. Yeah, I was down on the court uh, probably half an hour before tip off watching warm ups, and I like I thought I was sick because I was so hot. <laughs> I was I was sweating just sitting there watching, and I started asking people like, "Is it is it hot in here? You know what's going on? Do I need to?" And everybody was like, no, it's and especially compared to Rupp. It, anybody who's been to a game in Rupp this season is really cold there. Even when even when you get 20,000 in there, it's it's been pretty chilly this season. And to then flip back and, and play under the conditions they played in last night, I would I mean, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I would say it was 15 to 20 degrees warmer in the hump last night than, than it usually is at, at Rupp Arena. And I really haven't noticed any different temperatures or anything in any of these other games this season at, at other venues. So it was a really weird situation. Yeah, Cal was – I mean, it wasn't Cal. Everybody in the media room was sweating, yeah. you know, walking down from the – you know, where you sit to watch the game. All it all it really took was to move around, and, and you were sweating. I, I know the players were sweating. Um the uh, you know obviously case and i don't know if that was cramps or what at the beginning of the second half cal said he didn't know uh but but had to come out uh, and play through it it took a long time a couple times to to wipe the sweat wipe the 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 moisture off the floor um and then i there was a theory you know i I haven't really seen a great replay of that last play where mississippi state fans obviously thought case and walked in the final seconds um and it so there was a theory going around that it wasn't called because the officials knew just what the conditions were on the court and that he tried to plant and just slipped because it was that slick. 
it, it was not as bad as Chris Jans made it look like. I mean, Jans was just <laughs> furious over the call. You may, you, I didn't think. I thought watching it in real time, yeah, it looked like he walked. But when they made the repl- when they did the replay, it wasn't that obvious. You might have been able to call his foot might have slipped just a little. But I thought he held his pivot foot pretty well uh, once he did stop. And I didn't think he took an extra step. Now, you know, maybe I'm sure Mississippi State fans would disagree. I'm, I know Chris Jans would disagree by his reaction, but it wasn't as obvious as, I mean, Jans was just so furious. At one point, it yeah. looked like if you read his lips, he told Pat Adams that he had blown the game. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad, but, uh, you know, it could be. The officials might have, considering the conditions, gave him a little more leeway. Uh, on it. Another thing, and we'll move on to Tennessee real quick. Something I know that is near and dear to your heart. They hit six. They hit uh, five of their last six free throws in the final eight point one seconds. Before that, they may. I think they ended up. Let's see. Let me count it up here. They were nine of ten over the last three minutes from the free throw line, and it wasn't just one guy. Wallace hit. Cason uh, uh, made uh, both ends of a one and one with three fourteen to go. Livingston both ends at two twenty six, and then Livingston made two. Free throws, Oscar went one for two, then hit two free throws with 3.4 seconds left uh, to finish the game off. And that was big, especially considering Mississippi State had cut that 13-point lead all the way down to three points at one point. Well, actually, two points at 66-64. So to hit those free throws was huge. Yeah, it was. And, I mean, Chris, six for six in the second half. And, and yeah, for Oscar to – to you know, play as hard as he did for as long as he did, and and, and make the three of the four in the in the final seconds, and, and the I mean the offensive rebound that, that Chris Livingston had was 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 maybe a, a game saver or a game clincher uh, there, even though there were some points scored after it. But yeah, I mean they're they're what, they're up to sixty nine point seven percent from the free throw line this season, so they're they're ticking towards seventy percent. But I don't think they're going to hit my uh, preseason prediction of one of the best uh, <laughs> shooting teams in the in the Calipari era. Yeah, inside baseball, there we, we give Ben a hard time about his projection, which was which was a, a definite a, a good projection when you looked at their uh, the possibilities and what they'd done in the past that this would be a really good free throw shooting team, and that especially early in the season was not the case. They've gotten much better here of late, and they needed to get better. Uh, so it, we like to give Ben a hard time about that. Uh, okay, let's move on to Tennessee. Uh, obviously, another huge opportunity. Uh, Kentucky now two and seven in quad one game. Games. They could have been three and seven, except Texas A&M is number thirty-one. I think A&M will eventually be in that top thirty. Will make that win a quad one game. But Tennessee coming off a win over Alabama uh, last night, Alabama's first loss uh, in the conference. What, what are your early thoughts about Saturday? Yeah, I, uh, I, I obviously with the game going on at the same time as UK, I didn't get to actually had it up on us computer screen but didn't get to see a ton of uh tennessee alabama game but you know obviously that's a, a huge huge win for them especially coming off two straight losses and and the way they lost those games and and losing three or four i you know from kentucky standpoint um yeah one it it, it looks good if you can beat tennessee after they beat alabama but two uh, you know it, it's it's probably a little better for them that tennessee's not coming to town on a, on a three-game losing streak and, right. and losing four or five uh, like but, Kansas was when they came in for the yeah. 12 challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Cal, you know, bringing up his, his kind of nothing to lose attitude that some of these teams have have been able to or or, or played with uh, when they played Kentucky. But um, you know, it's like I mean, we were down there in Knoxville. That 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 was a, a one of those tough, gritty games and a game that 
Tennessee, you know, frankly, could have easily won if they hit some of those shots around the rim, which which they weren't able to pull off. Um, CJ Xavier Wheeler didn't play in that game. He was in a walking boot, I think, for the first time last night. I don't remember him having one on last week uh, when he set out with that ankle injury. Um, CJ Frederick. You know, with that rib injury, especially for a, a guy who's known as a shooter, that's that's going to be a tough one. So, yeah, it sounds like the 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 safest bet is that neither one of those guys are ready to go Saturday. Really? Cal said um, nothing today, uh, no team activities today. They have to take a day off every week, and then they will have one practice Friday before the game Saturday. And and he says those guys haven't practiced yet, uh, so. And, you know, with one guy in a boot and, and the other guy with, with that kind of injury, um, that's going to be tough to, to come back. Uh, and, and that's obviously going to put Kentucky, if that happens uh, shorthanded again, uh, going to put a lot of pressure on Case and Wallace again. Um, and we might see some of these different lineups, especially the Cal threw out there in the first half. He had some really weird combinations just trying to kind of figure out what might work, who who might work in different roles. Jacob Toppin played quite a bit of three, uh, especially in the first half. Um, so, you know, could see that. Just one of those where you try to piece it together and, and just try to win however you can. It, what about Toppin? I mean, it looked like he turned his ankle during the first half, but obviously he came back and played and scored 16 points. Uh, I mean, was that just a one of those things where he was able to come back to the game and shouldn't be a long-term worry? Yeah, I don't know. You know how those ankles are after the game's over and you get on the flight and you have a few hours for it to kind of settle. So I asked him about that after the game, and he said basically he just rolled it when he tried to pull off that dribble move uh, in the one-on-one situation. And, I mean, it, it when it happened, it looked bad. I, I don't know bad. what the TV cameras yeah, caught because, uh, you know, it was during the – going into the TV timeout, he, he barely got off the court. He was walking real gingerly off the court slowly. Um, I didn't know if he was going to come back in the game, but you know, he basically told me he didn't really have any choice. Uh, you know, already down two guys, Case and Dylan with his stuff, and um, you know, they they needed him out there. He went out there and and played and and played well, hit some huge shots. So, but yeah, I mean, once you get on the plane, get back home, sleep on it. You, you never you never know how it's gonna how it's gonna go. But I yeah, if there's any chance of him playing Saturday, I would imagine he'll be out there. Uh, obviously a huge game on Saturday, Kentucky trying to sweep Tennessee, which obviously would make a very favorable impression on the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. Uh, it's a 1 o'clock start on CBS. Uh, be sure and follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Roberts HL. Check out all of his work on Kentucky.com in the print edition of the Herald Leader. And, Ben, have a safe trip back from Starkville, and I will see you on Saturday. All right. Yep. Thanks a lot, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Thanks to my guests, Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel and Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. A quick plug for Ben. He's got a story about Tyler Eulis, a really interesting story about the former UK guard who has been kind of serving on the Kentucky coaching staff the past few weeks. He played a role in Kentucky's win last night over Mississippi State. So look for that. It should be online at Kentucky.com. 
look for my sidelines blog on the game on Saturday. I'll have live updates on the blog. After the game, I'll have my three takeaways. Remember, follow me on Twitter at John Clay IB. Follow Ben at Ben Roberts HL. Follow Mark Story at Mark C. Story. And follow Cam Drummond at C. Drummond 97. Thanks again to my guests. It's a 1 o'clock start Saturday. Kentucky and Tennessee should be a great game there at Rupp Arena. Be sure and check out all of our coverage on Kentucky.com. And be sure and check out the John Clay Podcast when we talk to you again soon.